With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. A lot to talk about today, for sure. Had a chance to watch the Bulldogs scrimmage on Saturday. Give you my thoughts on that. I've worked the phones a little bit, trying to get you guys some information on Jordan Davis. No official report yet. And uh, the fact that people aren't willing to talk makes me a little bit concerned. Because, you know, with Jaden Wally, when Wally went down in a spring game, it was like this, you know, maybe a day later, we had people kind of say, yeah, it doesn't look to be so bad. It's like it's a sprain rather than a tear. And so that is concerning in and of itself. Now, that's not a guarantee of anything. You know, we, we may find out tomorrow that, hey, you know, it, he's being held out as a precaution or whatever. You know, we'll see. But um, I, I just don't like the way it's headed. And I just, again, that's the immediate concern is the young man. This is a guy that has NFL aspirations and NFL ability. Really expected him to have a big year for us this year. And, again, we don't know yet. But I would say, based on his body language, when they put him on the cart, it wasn't, wasn't good. Now, if memory serves me correct, Jordan Davis was coming off the defensive end spot there, and Albert Reese, freshman, mammoth, offensive tackle, guard-type guy, uh, pancaked him. But I, I don't know if the pancake caused the injury or if the injury is what allowed him to be pancaked, because Jordan Davis is a relentless competitor. But either way, there was an engagement, and then Davis goes down a little bit awkwardly. I was watching it the whole way through. And then he doesn't get up. And then everybody's, I said, hey, somebody's down. Everybody's like, oh, what number is it? And I knew there was a six. I wasn't sure that it was six. But I guess in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, please don't let it be six. Not that we would want any of our student athletes to be injured. But when it's a guy that you're expecting to have a big year, you certainly, uh, you kind of hold your breath. And so they laid there for, he laid there for a while. They began to work with him. So initially they were working on the lower leg, which made me think it's probably an ankle injury on the left side. That's how it was at first. They finally get him up. And, of course, they, uh, you know, they do a pretty good evaluation down there. And, and listen, we're up in, the, up in the club level seats for the most part. And so we're not there on the sidelines. So I can't accurately say, you know, with confidence – Hey, here's exactly what they did. But I did see them get him up with some assistance, and he did have weight on both feet. Now, he was kind of gingerly moving that left leg around. They got him up on the cart and didn't immobilize him, didn't put an air cast on, didn't put a brace on or anything like that. They just got him on the cart, and they wheeled him away. But, you know, he, he had his head down. Now, granted, there's no pump in your fist when there's no crowd there, but uh, 
I just didn't think his body language was good. So we'll prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Certainly hope that um, Jordan recovers. You know, we'll talk a little bit about depth and, you know, where do we go from here if that's the case. I mean, and one of the things I want to kind of caution people about, too, is we've had these discussions over on the jeanspage.com message boards, and uh, Paul Jones does a daily depth chart. And we all kind of contribute to that, but it's Paul's baby. I mean, there are times I'll say, hey, so-and-so is running first team today, and he'll go kind of look and verify that because we want to kind of keep things updated. And it's one of those things, too. It's like, you know, there's there's going to be ebb and flow with the depth chart, and they're not necessarily, you know, about performance-related issues. It's one of those deals where, you know, one day a guy gets a little bit banged up, and so he's in the injury pit for a day. Or there's a guy that, uh, you know, perhaps uh, – you know, has something come up and has to miss practice or whatever. You know, there's always something. And so what you look for are trends. And so I, I, I say that to say that don't put an awful lot of stock in the day-to-day changes. Because, you know, we're getting access to practice and we really haven't had any uh, in a better part of two years. You know, obviously last year everything was closed. Joe shut down everything in 2019 we did get to go to some uh, spring practices in 18, and I want to say a bowl practice or two. But it has been forever and a day that we've been able to observe fall camp practice. There are some times, you know, with Dan Mullen, we are able to get a few periods. You go in and basically watch everybody stretch and throw the ball around a little bit. But as far as, like, watching team drills, these things, this hadn't happened since Cheryl, I don't believe. And so – you're getting access, and so as a result, these little bumps and bruises that are just kind of part of camp, and that gets reported, and people think, oh, my gosh, we're having all these injuries. Guys, it's no more than usual. The Jordan Davis thing is really the first real serious thing. Landon Gidry's a guy that's banged up too and uh, could miss some time. He's down the depth chart a little bit, but that does not in any way minimize, you know, his suffering or pain in any way whatsoever. But, you know, we, we haven't had more injuries than normal. There are going to be guys that get a little bit banged up and, you know, day or two with the trainers and they're back if they're ready to go. And there are a lot of these guys, too, that are somewhat slowed and they, they're careful with them because you don't want a minor injury to become a major injury because, you, you know, you don't attend to it properly. So don't read these practice reports or whatever and think, oh, my gosh, it's like a mass unit out there. It's not. It, it's not any different than it has been. And so far, we've been pretty fortunate, you know, really up until the last couple of days. You know, I saw Landon Gidry walking around one day last week trying to kind of get his – you know, kind of, I guess trying to get his breath a little bit. He's walking around with a trainer out there on the track, and, and then the next thing you know, I don't, I don't see him in practice for a day. So we'll see how things progress with him. But, uh, man, that poor kid snake bit, man. It's like he gets here and very first spring game, he ter- tears his ACL on just, you know, kind of a routine play. Works his way back. Get some meaningful playing time last year. Now he's injured again. So, feel there's a real possibility both of those guys missed the season. But again, a lot to see between now and then. What are we, 19 days away from the Mississippi State home open on September 4th against Louisiana Tech? Mississippi State a better than three touchdown favorite in that ball game. That'll be a 3 p.m. game on ESPNU. Go ahead and make your plans to be here. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will too. A lot of raving fans about Bulldog Burger Company. And they're not just the kids, even though kids love going to Bulldog Burger Company because 
you know, everything there is, is basically exactly what kids want. You get the great hamburgers. You get those wonderful fries. The onion rings, perhaps a little bit underrated at Bulldog Burger Company. I don't know if we talk about the onion rings enough. Go by and check them out today. You know, the Pimentology at Bacon is the boneyard burger of choice. I've shared with you guys many times before, even if you don't like pimento and cheese sandwiches, you'll love the Pimentology, whether you add the bacon or not. I add the bacon because, you know, who doesn't need a little more protein? All that being said, three great locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and Lake Harbor Drive in Ridgewood. That's the baby. That's the brand new one. A lot of great reviews from that one. Let me encourage you, too. Maybe perhaps if you're thinking, you know what, Steve, I don't really need all those carbs, go have that BLT salad. Best salad in Starkville I can personally attest to. Whether you get the fried or the grilled, absolutely outstanding. And, again, I share with you guys regularly – I don't ever finish my meal at Bulldog Burger Company, ever. I haven't. There's all the portions are so generous. You get more than you than you pay for when you go to Bulldog Burger Company. So go have a good night out with the family tonight at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M E A T. All right, let's talk a little about the scrimmage. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do offense. We'll do top ten. We'll do defense. And then I've got a new feature for you guys uh, later in the show. All right, so. A lot to talk about. So let's look at this offensive stuff just because I think it's important to give some context for some of this stuff too. I think there are a lot of times people, they see and hear numbers and they think, wait a minute, you know, and it's just, it's not worth getting upset about. You know, because the numbers don't tell the whole story. You know, the numbers are the numbers, right? So let's start with the passing numbers. Will Rogers, 11 of 20 for 79 yards and one touchdown. Now all these stats are, are unofficial. And let me give you guys a little bit of, uh, you know, an example for how it all works. So, basically, everybody in the media works together as one group. So, Logan Lowry charted tackles. Uh, Steph from the Columbus Dispatch, or excuse me, from the uh, Daily Journal, uh, did the, the receiving, receptions. You know, and so on and on and on, we all share it. Uh, I actually spotted for Hey Dad, and we did all defensive statistics, not tackles. So all the PBUs, the interceptions, fumbles recovery, the, the quarterback hurries, the sacks, we did all that. And so, again, this just gives you a pretty good idea. So, again, the stats, not official, but also, too, you know, some of the yardage stuff, there may be a little bit of variance in that. But, again, it's a scrimmage, okay? It's a scrimmage. But we all kind of work together to kind of help each other to ensure that you, you guys have some idea of what it all looks like. So, Will Rogers, 11 for 20 for 179 yards, one touchdown. What's interesting is how many people kind of reacted negatively about that stat line. Because, again, the numbers don't tell the whole story. Will had three or four drops, three or four. And they were all catchable balls. It wasn't like he threw it behind somebody. It had to be some acrobatic catch. Austin Williams had a couple drops. And, and that's not even concerning for me because so you know exactly what you're going to get from Austin Williams. But, yeah, he had a couple drops, kind of uncharacteristic of himself. And then also Will threw a absolutely beautiful pass, a little bit long for Austin. Austin laid out. They ruled it an incompletion. I thought he had it. I thought he did. And, of course, that goes down as an incompletion. But it was a great effort. You know, maybe a little bit too much loft on that one, but – I thought Will played well, and it's like you, you see and hear the numbers, and like I, I've seen people say, oh, yeah, well, this guy got a, 
you know, got outplayed or whatever. I, I just didn't see it that way at all. I thought Will Rogers, of all of the quarterbacks, showed the best command of the offense. Made the right reads, delivered the football to the right guys. Didn't always work out, but he did. He did a great job running the offense. Protected the football, tucked it, ran. And we didn't count any of those quarterback runs because the quarterbacks aren't live. But I thought Will did a good job. And to, to me, after watching that scrimmage on Saturday, I think Will Rogers, without a doubt, is the guy. And I've said on this show there is no, really no quarterback competition, but I like the fact that Leach is making him earn it a little bit. Chance Lovertich, 19 of 30 for 152 yards and a touchdown. Listen, and I, I've shared with you guys before, if we have to have Chance Lovertich run the offense, we're still going to be able to score. He's capable of running it. Now, he's not the biggest guy. And there are times he gets flushed out of the pocket, and sometimes I think he just kind of does it on his own. You know, whether the, the the pressure is real or phantom, I think he I think he's comfortable kind of getting out there and uh, extending plays and allowing the receivers to work back to him. Nineteen of thirty, but a lot of those are checkdowns. A lot of those are checkdowns. You know, the first couple reads aren't there, so we immediately go check it down to the running back, and a lot of his yards came on those checkdowns where you'd have a guy break a tackle and make a lengthy run. I thought Jaquavius Marks had a you know, couple of nice receptions. But, again, I'm in no way throwing shade at Chance Levertich. I, think, I don't think he is as talented as Will Rogers. I do think he is capable of running the offense. So there's not, you know, there's not this big letdown. And, and last year that was kind of the concern, right? So if, if, Will, if Will had gone down last year, I mean, you know, the season, you know, it wasn't great, but – you know, what do you do? But, again, Levertich very capable of running the scheme. I just don't think he'll run it with the same level of proficiency that Rodgers will. Daniel Greek uh, struggled at times. Uh, I, one of the things about Greek that uh, is his ball placement is kind of all over the place. But on Saturday, he actually did a better job with that. There are sometimes you watch him in drills and, and you think, you know, where's he throwing football? I thought he did a better job of that. He doesn't have the arm strength that maybe Sawyer Robertson does. And he was five for eight, and he had two picks. And to kind of give you some context, the first pick, J.P. Purvis just made a ridiculously good play there. Now, Greek's got to put a little more air under that ball. But there aren't a lot of players I think that are going to be able to have that type of extension and elevation. J.P. Purvis is kind of sat down there in his own, and Greek just didn't see him. And he had a receiver streaking on the crossing route behind him. It was going to be a nice game there, and uh, Greek just didn't let him uncover. But, again, that's a freshman you know, playing against you know, an SEC backers. I think, I think the highlight of the headline of that play is J.P. Purvis making a really great defensive play. Now, the second pick is just a situation where Greek throws it up there uh, you know, to the pylon and hopes his guy can make a play, and London Craft undercuts it. And, of course, that counts. But I don't necessarily know that it was the wrong decision. I think you know, perhaps maybe the ball placement was off just a little bit. But, you know, Greek is behind Sawyer Roberts, and that's not a surprise to anybody. I mean, you sign a two-quarterback class, you're going to have, you know, perhaps a guy that you feel is a blue chip and a guy that's somewhat of a developmental guy, and that's Daniel Greek. And, I, again, I think Greek looks good in the uniform, and there are some times he does some really good things with the football, and you think, okay, you know. So I think you've got something to work with there. I don't think in any ways people look at us, oh, that's just a, you know, 
that's just you know a waste of time of effort. It's not. I think Daniel Greek's a guy that just you know is a little bit behind Sawyer physically, and I think that uh, Greek is a guy that could be a guy that you know down the road that makes things interesting. But he's playing like a freshman. Sawyer Robertson not necessarily playing like a freshman. He got one series and goes six of eight for fifty-two yards. And if I'm not mistaken, one of the incompletions was a drop. And I'm just kind of pulling that off the top of my head. Cause I remember we talked. Remember talking about that a little bit. Very quick getting the ball out. Does a good job too, though, of not necessarily you know settling for the you know for the the check down too early. I think he does a good job, kind of surveying the field, and then goes to the check down. You know, some people it's like the first read's not there. Can we find a running back? I think Sawyer can work through his progressions a little bit better than some of the other guys. And the touchdown pass that he threw to Teddy Knox was phenomenal. And it's actually up into double coverage. But he throws it where his guy can elevate and go get it. Just letting your guy make a play. Now, of course, ball placement's off a little bit there. It's a pick, and all of a sudden it's a, you know, it's a five for eight day, you know, with just a handful of yards, and everybody's thinking, well, Steve, what's going on? I feel good about the quarterbacks for this year and beyond. Now, Jack Abraham still not out there and not a full participant in practice. Uh, and, again, I hate it for him. I think, actually, he would make the room better and make Will Rogers better because I think he is a guy that's capable of winning this job. But Jack, you know, and God bless him, you know, he has been dealing with this now for a couple months. It's very, very disappointing for him and I'm sure his family and all those people who love him. And the bigger concern, too, is, is, is beyond football. I mean, you want him to be able to have – you know, on a normal day. You want him to be able to go to class. You want him to be able to, you know, to not have to deal with these chronic headaches. And, you know, again, there's it's kind of a freak accident that happened, uh, you know, during summer workouts. And next thing you know, you know, he's unavailable. And so you hate it for him. Rushing, we actually ran the football pretty well at times. Uh, Jaquavius Marks, three rushes for 22 yards. He has a little more burst than he had a year ago. He really does. And that was what we hoped to see. You know, last year a lot of us saw there a lot of arm tackles and that sort of stuff where you get him out in space and the first guy gets him. Uh, he shows a little more confidence this year. He, he's rounding into the running back we all hoped he would be. I'm really happy with what we see from Marks, not just as a runner but as a receiver. This is a guy that just wants football. No matter how you get it to him, just let me have it. Uh, Dylan Johnson, three rushes for eight yards. And, I, and again, I, I, don't, I don't remember who kept the numbers on this. It seemed like he had a little bit more than that. But Dylan Johnson runs hard. Katravian Hargrove, one rush for five yards. Like what we saw from him out of the out of the backfield, too, as a receiver. He's been a really good receiver all throughout camp. Omni Wells, and that's a guy, too. You, you know, Omni Wells is a Division I running back. This happens to be a walk-on at Mississippi State, kind of down the depth chart. J.J. Jernigan ran hard a little bit, too. Had, uh, had the one rush for six yards, so... And you look at these numbers and people say, I don't understand why we didn't have more of an offense. Well, you know, you got ones versus the one offense versus the one defense and twos versus twos. So it's pretty much an equal fight. So receiving-wise, we really spread. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Ufi. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool. 
because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. And that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The ball around a lot, as you could imagine. Jaden Wally, two catches, 12 yards, and a touchdown. The touchdown came from Will Rogers, and he did a nice job freeing himself. Basically runs the back line of the end zone. Will finds him. Nice catch, gets a foot inbounds. Caleb ducking, three catches for 22 yards. And I, I, I agree with Mike Leach for sure. Ducking does some things, and you look up and you're like, wow. And then he disappears for a few plays. And then he comes back, and you're like, okay, there it is. And then he disappears for a few plays. And so you know, he's got to consistently get open because with his catch radius and his size, it's really a mismatch. But he, he's got to be willing to go make some plays. Austin Williams, uh, four catches for 22 yards. He was targeted a lot. 
Malik Heath, one catch for nine yards. We're going to need more of a production from Malik Heath. Arguably the most talented receiver on the roster physically. You know, we need him to be a seven, eight, nine catch a guy game. It just we're going to need more than that. And, and granted, it's a scrimmage, but yeah, I just thought about that. We didn't call his name a whole lot. That's got to get better. Makai Polk, three catches for thirty-seven yards, and I really believe that Makai Polk is on par with Jaden Wally. You know, last year you'd be, oh, you know, Wally's our guy. Well, now all of a sudden you got Polk working the outside. And if Wally's working the inside, you get occupied at safety. Those guys can really feed off each other. But Makai Polk is a guy, too. Great catch radius, takes ownership of the football when it's thrown in his direction, makes a contested catch, can run well after the catch. I think he's had a really great camp so far, a really a great addition, and he's a starter. And he, and he should be. I don't think there's any question. Rufus Harvey, two catches for 20 yards. Rufus has had a really good week. Didn't see as much from him the first few days of camp. He's had a really good week, though. Really good week. Met a couple of acrobatic catches, one for a touchdown. Really excited about Rufus. And I'll be honest with you guys. You know, when we made the coaching change, I wasn't sure if we should go that direction. I worried a little bit about his size. We already had Tula Griffin. I mean, how many slot receivers do we need? But I think Rufus has proven that he needs to be on the field. Uh, Brody King, one catch for two yards. And Brody got lit up pretty good uh, on one particular play. I cannot remember who delivered the blow. I want to say it was uh, Nick Mitchell. Yeah, Nick Mitchell is who it was on a crossing route. And he got him. It was a legal hit right in the chest. And listen, Brody absorbed it too. Brody got, you know, got up and got moving. It wasn't a situation where he got the better. Brody's a tough kid. But he is a guy too that, uh, you know, that I expect there to be in that second team wide receiver. He's a guy that really uncovers well. You know, we talk, we talk so much about, you know, route running, that sort of stuff. All the guys are a good route runner. A lot of times people say that. They have no clue what they're talking about. The thing that I noticed with Brody King is he understands how to play against a zone. He finds the hole in his zone. He uncovers. He sits down, knows where to sit. And then as things kind of, you know, unfold, he can kind of work back to the quarterback too. But – uh I think there's an element to this. And I don't, listen, I don't think – is he going to be, you know, a five, six catch per guy? No, he's not. But I can see this as a guy, especially on third down, being a guy that could really help us move a change. I do think there is a very positive impact from Brody King being on the team. A lot of people talked about him some on the message boards last year. And, again, he had to play last year because we had a lack of depth at the position. But I think now, I think he's proven himself to be a hard worker, and, and now he's in a situation where I think he could see some balls on his direction. Uh, Jaquavius Marks, three catches, 24 yards. I just like what we're seeing out of this guy in every aspect. He's willing to step up in there and pass protection and hit somebody. Dylan Johnson might be a little bit farther ahead of him in that regard, but Marks shows a willingness to kind of stick his head in there and pick up a blitzer. He's doing a good job getting out in the flats, making people miss. You're going to see a more complete back from Jaquavius Marks this year. That's not to say he's a finished product by any stretch. But he, he is better for last year's experiences. There is no question about it. Quentin Torbert might be the surprise of camp at wide receiver. Paul Jones and I kind of laughed about this on, on Saturday. I'm surprised he didn't hit the portal. I mean, honestly, there were so many other guys that were leaving. I thought, you know, this is a guy, too, 
Maybe he gets out of here and goes back to Louisiana, finds an opportunity to play, maybe at Louisiana Lafayette or one of those in-state schools. But he didn't do that. He stayed. And the guy is out there every day making catches. Four catches, 53 yards. One of those was a little bit of a switch route they ran there, and he ends up being wide open and uh, makes a nice play down the field. But this is a guy, too, not going to blow you away with speed or size, but he just seems to always get caught doing the right things. So I feel really good about this group, especially the returning guys. And we talk about, you know, Polk and some of these newcomers. But you've got some of these returning guys that maybe didn't get a lot of reps last year that I believe kind of played their, their way into the rotation. Torber's a guy, too, that, you know, again, he's not going to be – you're not going to look up one day and say, oh, my goodness, he's got a dozen catches. But this is a guy, too, you know, that because of the fact when you're spreading the field out and you've got a guy like him that's capable of making a play for you, now all of a sudden you can't shade coverage to one side. Now you can't roll that safety over to Makai Polk's side. Those are the things I think about long term. Dylan Johnson, three grabs, 14 yards. And, and listen, Dylan's one of those guys, too, that he's just going to run through you. He may not be able to make you miss the way that uh, Marks can, but he'll just run through you. He'll just lower his shoulder and drive his feet and move the pile ahead a couple yards, get a first down. Uh, Teddy Knox, just the one catch, but, man, it was spectacular. One grab, 24 yards, and a touchdown. That was with he and Sawyer Robertson. You know, here's the thing with Teddy. He is an explosive guy. There are times, though, that I think that he there are balls that are catchable, and I don't know that he fully appreciates that yet, at least not in practice. There are some times that the ball will be thrown his direction, and it's not perfect, and he didn't make the play. And you can say, well, you know, quarterback's got to throw a better ball. It's true, but, you know, in this league, you know, the margin for victory is very, very slim. And so I think that's where you, you, it's the consistency with him effort-wise on that type of stuff is what you're looking for. Now, the rest of it, he's got that handled pretty good. They bring him on that, you know, jailbreak screen. He can get underneath and he can make people miss and, and do some impressive things. I think he is a guy that's going to have a big career here at Mississippi State. And for those of you that don't know, there were some people – shortly after Mason Smith left that, um, you know, suggested Teddy might go into the portal. But there's been none of that. There's been no talk of that, you know. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think Teddy was kind of sold on the scheme here. And it's acclimating well. Dave Nickel really talks highly of him. Simeon Price, the running back out of Pensacola, former South Carolina commitment, two catches, 22 yards. He's another one had a pretty good week, though. You know, had a pretty good week. And, and, and he's down the depth chart, but you, know, you look up and I was like, hey, there's Price again. Okay, all right, cool. Now, he does not look like a freshman. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think he would show up nearly as, as filled out as he was. I mean, you look at his high school film, you say, okay, he probably, kid probably needs a year in the weight room. Well, he already had that year. He's worked very, very hard. 215 pounds, I think what Eric Mui told us. But he doesn't look like a freshman. I begin to think about this group, this young group. You got four freshman backs, right? Technically. Jaquavius Marks, Dylan Johnson, Katravian Hargrove, and now Simeon Price. You know, I think, man, we've got some real value and some real talent in those scholarship allocations. You know, we've had some guys the last couple of years, you kind of want to talk yourself into it. Not these guys. These guys can all play. 
I, I like what we've done with the running back room. I really hate him. Remember last year it was Colin Hill and a couple of young guys, and then Colin opted out. Colin scored a touchdown this weekend. Good for Colin. But, you know, we're benefiting from that last year. We're benefiting from the fact that Marks and Dylan Johnson had to play. So they've got that under their belt. They kind of know what's happening now. They're, they're probably not going to know how to act when they play a team like Louisiana Tech or, or Memphis because they're just so used to NFL prospects chasing them all over the field. But you add Hargrove and Price to the mix, you got some real depth there. Christian Ford might have been the surprise of the day, and that's not in any way to be disrespectful to his camp. But he had five catches for 38 yards, and he's another guy. I mean, you look up, and all of a sudden, he's open. Oh, there's 24 again. There's, 20, there's 24. And even sometimes when he didn't get the football, he's running free. Yeah, and it's another walk-on guy that, you know, Mike Leach doesn't care about that. He doesn't care how you signed or what you rated in high school. Once you get on the field, it's about earning playing time. And I, I could see Christian Ford making a push. Omni Wells, three catches, 18 yards. And so, again, you, you run across there and you know what you've got. Malik Heath, Austin Williams, Jaden Wally, Makai Polk, those are your starters. And remember, Tula Griffin didn't even play. Tula Griffin's still kind of working back now. I guess it was uh, Friday we saw him. He's out there working with the trainers, but uh, catching the football, kind of working his way back. But he didn't even play. And you still had, you know, some guys out there really competing at a high level. And so you, you look at that second group of receivers, there's a ton of them. And listen, it's not in any way atypical for Mike Leach to have as many as a dozen guys catching balls in a ball game. I mean, you look at Washington State, they distribute the football around. But I like our group. Now, offensive line-wise, I thought the ones held up really well. Really thought the ones did a good job. LaQuinson Sharp had a couple of low snaps, but not, not anything concerning. He didn't roll it back there. Just a couple times where the quarterback had to make an adjustment, kind of bend down. And sometimes that kind of slows up the rhythm of the play. But it wasn't up to the point that it's concerning. You're going to have some of that in ball game, But it was okay. Um, Charles Cross playing well. Left guard situation out there. You know, Cam Jones, the guy that's competing. Cole Smith running second team guard. And as I shared with you guys on the show last week, it's like, you know, the fact that Cole is running second team is not an indictment on his ability, but it's really a testament to kind of the guys around him. You can say, oh, man, well, will Cole Smith drop the second team? Well, well, yeah. But, you know, Cole Smith's a guy that played really well for Mississippi State at times last year, too. And so it's not like Cole has regressed. It's just some guys around him have gotten better. Cole also running uh, second team, I guess, at left guard. And he's kind of that swing guy on the interior. He can play any of those three interior line positions. Dollar Bill looks at home at right guard. And Scott Lashley out there at right tackle. And I was curious to see how Scott would handle things on Saturday. It's one thing to do drills and pass scally and that sort of stuff and positional drills. But what do you do, though, when you really got to get up there and do it live in the stadium? I thought he handled himself pretty well. I was pleasantly surprised. And that's not that I said I didn't expect, you know, Scott to play well. I just, you know, I just wondered if, if perhaps, you know, the first time with the bullets flying, you know, with the, those guys coming off the uh, coming off the edge, how would he handle it? And I thought he acquitted himself really well. So I feel good about the ones. And then, you know, I'm hearing a lot of good things about Nick Jones. Nick Jones signed out of East Mississippi Community College. 
Not exactly sure where he's going to fit just yet, but probably a second-team tackle. And you need at least three. You know you've got three guards, right, because you know you've got Cole Smith. Uh, Reed Bias is a guy that's been running some at uh, center with a second and a third team. He's a little bit slowed right now. Didn't play on Saturday. But not expected to be out long. Reed's a guy just kind of working back. And Reed's a guy, too, you know, that I share with you guys, too. He looks like a different player. If you if you go back and look at some of those pictures that I took of Reed when he was in high school and coming to camps in Mississippi State, and you look at him now, you wouldn't even think it's the same person. He's really committed himself to the weight room. And so I think he has put himself in a position to be a guy that Mississippi State can count on. So you got to get everybody healthy. you got to kind of get everybody moving. Carson Williams, another guy, too, has played some at right tackle with a second team. You know, so the ones are good. The twos are a work in progress. But that's how it should be halfway through camp. You shouldn't have your two deep set at this point. Still some guys moving around, moving back and forth. And, and again, a lot of guys got reps on Saturday. A lot of guys, they got reps on Saturday. And Albert Reese is a massive human being. I mean, he, he, look, he looks like a grizzly bear. I mean, he does. I mean, it's like when you, when you see that guy get into an athletic position, you think guys that big aren't supposed to move that fluidly. But he did a good job. He did. It's a lot to learn, but did a good job. Time for today's top ten list. Close with Blair.com. For all your mortgage needs, whether you're looking to buy a house for the first time, a second time, a third time, or refi your home, maybe you're looking for a second mortgage, maybe you're looking for you know, a line of credit, maybe you're just thinking, you know what, hey, we want to buy an investment property, how do we do it? All those questions that are kind of banging around in your brain, they can be answered. Close at Blair.com. And here's the thing, too. Blair gives me some inside information, too. You know, rent's going up. So you're, you know, you're going to be paying more out of pocket to rent a home or an apartment. But you know what? The ability to accrue equity is also going up. So it's just a better investment of your money to be a homeowner. Not to mention, don't you want to give your family that forever home feeling? Not, not be constantly on the move or every couple of years we're going to go somewhere else, you know? It's time to put your, your roots down. Blair's also shared with me, too that if you are a Boneyard listener and you mention Boneyard when you talk to him, he's going to pay for your appraisal. How about that? I mean, that, that's, what, 300 bucks right out of the gate? I mean, just by being a Boneyard listener, we're saving you money. Not a lot of people can do that for you. Blair also a Mississippi State guy through and through. I've known Blair a long time. Blair's got a place here, season ticket holder here. Comes, cheers for the Bulldogs. And, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of doing business with Bulldogs whenever we can. So visit them today at Close with Blair. That's B-L-A-I-R.com. Close with Blair.com. Or give him a call. Let him know that I sent you. Mention the Boneyard to get that free appraisal. 601-500-2344. And here's the thing, too. This is not just a friend of mine. This is a mortgage professional that gets things done. 21 years in the business running in the top 1% nationally of all loan originators, not just at Fairway Mortgage, which is who he works for, but nationally. Mississippi State Baseball, number one nationally. Blair Chandler, number one nationally. Do business with the winners. Okay, so today we're doing – we're going to go a little pop. Listen, the numbers last week on the top ten list were outstanding. You guys love poison. Maybe I missed a memorandum. Maybe maybe I'm just – maybe I'm the lame one. You know, here I am priding myself on being the cool kid, and, and maybe I'm wrong. 
Maybe Poison is great. They have a few great songs, but, you know, I'm not a C.C. DeVille fan. I'm really not. And maybe maybe because I look at his guitar playing and think I should be able to do that, and I can't. But uh, anyway, congratulations to Poison, our new number one. And, guys, we've got about 300 top ten lists in the last couple of years. You know, we started this during the quarantine of 2020. We've done over 300 now. And Poison's number one. The most listened to, the most impressions, the most business is Poison. And it pains me a little bit. Now, I don't know if we catch Poison today, but I think today's artist, and we're going to change it up a little bit too. We're going to do a little Blue-Eyed Soul here, some modern-day R&B with uh, arguably one of the greatest and most successful men's vocalists of this era. We're Justin Timberlake from NSYNC. And NSYNC was good. Of the boy bands, I liked NSYNC the best, maybe because they could also dance, because, you know, I can dance too. And if you don't believe me, you can find the videos online. But um, be that as it may, it's JT Day today on the Boneyard. Change it up a little bit. Yeah, I listen to rock stuff, but also, you know, just a couple of days ago, you know, I'm riding around listening, you know, to Depeche Mode, and I get done with that, and I put on NXS. Which I, we ought to do NXS. So Roy will put that on the list for us. We... I love NXS. I absolutely do. I think Michael Hutchins one of the greatest male vocalists of all time. But I do. I, I kind of expand my horizons a little bit. And, uh, you know, not a huge country guy, but um, I like a variety of music. And, and just Justin Timberlake is one of those guys I can absolutely respect because every time he comes out with a new album, it, it's always different, but it's always true to who he is. And I, I think he has got some people around him that are phenomenal that really – push his talent all right so here we go top 10 justin timberlake song solo songs we're not doing any NSYNC stuff we've already done the boy band thing so justin timberlake's top 10 i'm gonna go number 10 is senorita i like it because i like the latin flair there's a little swing to that one vocally i think it's really good and that's you know justin timberlake very consistent with that sort of stuff so senorita is number 10 now my number nine song is probably much higher on your list I'll be honest with you, initially I didn't really like the song. kind of grew on me after a while because the radio played it like every 15 minutes. But it's sexy back. You, know, you work with Timberland on that album. And uh, I know a lot of people love it. I-, I think it's very clever. The beat is what kind of bothered me initially. You know, it's like you've got this heavy club beat. And I-, I just didn't think the song really meshed well in the beginning. But over time it grew on me. Number eight... Is my love. And I, I love this song. I love his use of the falsetto. He does a great job on this one. And he just sounds so genuine and authentic in what he sings. You think he's singing uh, to somebody he really cares about. I dig it. Number seven, going back towards the beginning of the JT solo joint, is Rock Your Body. I know a lot of people knew that one. It seemed like it was on the radio, too, about every 20 minutes, too. JT, very popular with ladies. Not only because he's a good-looking dude, but he's also very talented. And he writes music. I think is relatable when it comes to relationships, and I think I think women really dig that. And for those of you guys who don't know this too, women like a guy that can dance too. They do. No matter what you tell yourself, they do. They like a guy that can have a good time. They like a guy to go to the go to the bar or whatever, go to the show, have a good time. Not just stand there nursing the same Bud Light long neck all night. Saying, "Yeah, you having fun?" No. That's not who she's looking for, guys. 
All right, number six, and this is this one is one of the biggest hits of his career. I don't like it as much as some of the other ones on the list, which is why it's number six. And you look at the iTunes, like at the Apple Music thing, like when you look for top songs, I don't know if you know how that algorithm works. It's not, it's not somebody at Apple that decides, okay, this is number one. So the songs that are the most listened to songs are what's on that top songs list. It's easy. It makes perfect sense. But it's not somebody else that's kind of arbitrarily deciding that. It's you, the listener. Every time that you go listen to a song, that's basically a vote for that song, keeps it on top the top songs list. The top song on the Justin Timberlake iTunes list is Can't Stop the Feeling. I like it too, but I don't like it as much. And again, I like the use of the falsetto there, and I think the, the, the bass line is really cool on that one too. Number five, and this was kind of the comeback. You know, I remember when he released this album, it kind of came out of nowhere, and it's like, hey, this album's coming out, and uh, Suit and Tie came out, and I thought it was great. I thought that there was so much swag in the video. Justin Timberlake is one of these guys that just has this supreme confidence, and I thought that really came across in the song. Suit and tie, number five. Number four, and this one might not be as high on your list. I like it. I like it a lot because of the video, too. But, uh, you know, it's like you think about, you know, you, you go find that special person, and then eventually you kind of see yourself in them. And you, and then their better qualities, of course, rub off on you. And it's like you, you kind of become one person in many respects. I don't mean in a negative way where you don't have your own life, but you know, you have this unique bond where you kind of see and feel things kind of the same way. And that's what I think this song is about. And it's called Mirrors. I love it. I love the vocal delivery on it. I love the harmonies on the chorus. It's a fabulous song. It really is. Good message. And the video is really good, too. Uh, number three. And at times in my life, I think this has been my favorite Justin Timberlake song. It's uh, probably got the best percussion of anything in a catalog. But it's Like I Love You featuring Clips. And for those of you that don't know who Clips were, I don't think they still perform. You know, their first their first hit was with Birdman, and it was uh, What Happened to That Boy They're from Virginia. I like them a lot, too. I think they were kind of undervalued um, during their their run there. But they, both of them have a great verse during the rap portion of Like I Love You. And again, JT uses the falsetto in this one too, it, just the right amount. Like I Love You, number three. Number two, what goes around comes around. No, it's not a cover of the rap classic. It's an original JT song. I really like this one a lot too. And again, the message behind it too. You know, it's just like, you can't just treat somebody in a poor way and then expect to live life happily. Eventually, karma catches up with you. Number one, in a video that caused some controversy, which I think is cool too, a lot of people thought that this was like a message to uh, Britney Spears, and maybe it was. J Justin Timberlake has never fully denied that, but the girl in the video looks a lot like Britney Spears. Now, she's not, but... She bears a striking resemblance, but it's the video and the song for Cry Me a River. That is my favorite Justin Timberlake song, uh, not because there's any personal connection. I just think the song is great. I thought Timbaland did a great job producing it. I love his, uh, his vocals on it as well, you know, late in the song. And uh, there's just this smugness with the song that I think uh, is kind of infectious. So there you go. That's a top 10 Justin Timberlake songs. You probably weren't expecting that from me on a Monday, but there we go. 
I can respect the guy that writes his own music. And uh, he doesn't do all of it, but uh, Justin Timberlake got some good people around him. But an incredible performer. An incredible performer, without a question. And one of the things I love about JT, too, is that, you know, he just kind of transcends the genre. You know, I, th- I think a lot of it is because of the fact that he has talents that most people don't. And say, oh, well, there's a lot of people that can dance, but not many people can sing like him. And there are a lot of people that can sing a little bit, but they can't dance like him. So he is a phenomenal performer. In many ways, you know, you can tell that he was probably inspired by Michael Jackson. Not at that level, but one of the biggest superstars uh, of this generation, for sure. Justin Timberlake, if you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out, let me know. You can find me on all forms of social media, at ScoutSteveR. If you're not following me on Twitter, you have to wonder what you're doing with your life. We have a lot of fun over there. Also, too, you can find a lot of great free content over on my Twitter account. So, again, reach out, let me know. Roy does a great job kind of keeping these lists together, and, and every so often somebody will send me one, and I think we've already done it. Roy's like, nope, we hadn't. So, Roy, thank you again. Tip of the cap to him for kind of keeping me straight. This, he's made this top ten thing kind of his project. I don't know that I could pull all this off regularly without Roy. Roy, Roy, Roy removes a lot of anxiety because there was sometimes in the past I would sit around here at this desk and ask myself, what are we going to do a top ten about today? And it would take me hours to figure it out. And so Roy kind of like, hey, let's do this, or we hadn't done this or whatever. So we'll probably do NXS sometime soon. But if you have an idea, let me know. And many of you guys have reached out, and we've already done them. And so I do my best to send those lists back to you, because obviously you have an interest. Did a, did a Bob Seeger thing today. Somebody shared with me. They've been listening to some Seeger over the weekend. I was curious if we'd done a top ten. Well, we did. Almost a year ago to the day. Happy to share those with you. So sometimes it takes me a day or two to get those back to you, because I get busy. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. You guys know Campus Bookmart. And many of you didn't know Campus Bookmart until you started listening to Boneyard. I've had many people tell me, you know, Steve, I've never been in there before. You know, I just had my regular haunts. And I went and checked them out because they were on the show. And now this is my Mississippi State merchandiser of choice. You can visit them in person. Go see Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie Kennedy, the whole crew downstairs holding it down in the basement. Great crew of folks. They're like family to me. They'll treat you like family, too. It's not just because I'm special. They treat everybody special. It's what they do. These guys know how to do the retail business. If you can't make it to town to go meet them and see their smiling faces in person, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. Again, we'll save you a little money here. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. It once was a throwaway line, and now it is a lifestyle. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks incomplete, so be sure to use that promo code BSR. Many of you are probably thinking, you know what, I got I to gotta get caught up with my championship merch, and you can. There's new stuff all the time. And not to mention, we're getting ready to play football here in a few weeks. Everybody needs some new football gear. Listen, I think we can all agree we're okay with you wearing – the M over S to any event, whether it be a baseball game, football, basketball, church, weddings, whatever. It's perfectly acceptable. 
I'm not a big fan of the uh, the old T-shirts, but you know what? You wear what you want to wear. I'm not going to judge anybody for wearing their, uh, you know, maroon is all that matters shirts. You wear what you want. I don't care. I got some T-shirts. Uh, I'm just waiting to maybe drop a few more pounds, and I'm going to pull them out of retirement. But it's football season, so maybe it's time to get some football gear too. Again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's talk a little defense from the scrimmage. The one guy, after talking to a couple staffers, the one guy that we're struggling to block is Tyrus Wheat, and it showed on Saturday. Didn't matter where we lined him up. Didn't matter who we lined up across from. Ty Wheat is a difference maker on this defense. We'll talk about him a little bit later in the show. Tackles, uh, your number two, I guess maybe maybe he's backing up Martin Emerson. So I guess that's the left cornerback spot. It's DeCamrion Richardson at six tackles. The kid's he's growing up. You know, we, we weren't quite sure what he was going to play. Is he a safety? Is he a corner? He had a really good spring. Darcel McBath told me he thought he was the most improved corner in the group. Thought he really made a jump. And listen – He's having to earn this most days against Makai Polk out there. It's not like he's out there working against walk-ons and that sort of stuff and newcomers. He's getting some of that too. But he's going against a lot of times, you know, facing off against your your first and second team wide receivers. He's holding his own. Then he has six tackles. Very physical player. Does a good job keeping his hands on people. Rodney Gross had five tackles. And Rodney's a guy that's been down a little bit the depth chart, but, you know, he's still, you know, young in his career. Rodney did a nice job on Saturday. You, you look at him physically, and it's like you almost forget about him because we never talk about him, and you're like, hey, who is that? Oh, that's Rodney Gross. Okay. Uh, I mentioned Nick Mitchell kind of laid uh, one on the chops to Brody King. Nick Mitchell, four tackles, too. Real active out there. You can tell he's a guy that's embraced the weight room. He didn't look like a freshman. Jed Johnson, three tackles. And Jed has had a good camp. Jed's everywhere. You know, I think Jed is playing with uh, you know, kind of a reckless abandon these days. There, there's a lot of effort with Jed Johnson. He's running second team, but listen, he's giving first team effort. Uh, Nick Jarrett's a guy that's down the depth chart a little bit, but did some nice things. Did some nice things on Saturday. So, is he a special teams guy? Yes. He probably got it plays, you know, late in some ball games to kind of save some wear and tear on the, the two deep. Yeah. But he flashed a little bit too. You know, I thought, you know what, that's a, that's a pretty good effort from a guy that's running 13. Colin Duncan, three tackles. And uh, Colin missed some time uh, this week, but, uh, of course, played in a scrimmage. I don't know that we had a defensive back that improved more over the season last year than Colin Duncan. And now here he is, and you've got 14 guys vying for starting safety spots, and then Collins holding those guys off, still running first team. I think that says a lot about the guy, and it says a lot about what his coaches think about him. Deshaun Page had three tackles, including a huge tackle for loss late. This is a guy you can just kind of see it starting to come together. I mean, he's very intimidating. Like when you see him on the field, he is an imposing figure. And then all of a sudden you see him out there moving and reading plays and making, he hit Jaquavius Marks for a loss. And I've told you guys how Marks has improved. But when he ran into Deshaun Page, the play was over. There was no breaking through that. Tamar Rogers also had uh, three tackles. And listen, very lengthy guy. Just got to gain a little weight. But I'm eager to see what he looks like after a couple of years in the weight room. 
Sacks, we mentioned Ty Weed earlier. He led the team with two, and he probably could have had more. I mean, it's like, you know, and again, that's not an indictment on the offensive line. Ty Weed is a special player. Now, I think we all knew that when we signed him. We had to kind of hold off some guys late. He was the last guy to sign in that class. That December, excuse me. But uh, Tyrus Wheat looks like what you want him to look like. He just runs through people. His first step is next level. This is a guy, when he decides it's time to get to the quarterback, it's third down. When he decides to run on third down, it's fourth down. They just can't block him. And it doesn't matter where you send him, where you line him up. He is Zach Arnett's dream. There's no question. Tyrus Wheat has made a jump. We had a really good spring. You know, down the stretch last year, he was good too. You know, we missed some time last year, but he had a really good spring. He's picked up where he's left off. Really excited about Ty Wheat. Uh, Jordan Davis talked about him earlier in the show. He also had a sack. And he was a guy too that was close to getting a couple more. Really need him to be okay. But you know what? If he's not, we're going to be okay. Our season's not going to end. Are we a better defense with Jordan Davis? Absolutely. But we've got some other guys, too. And not to mention, look at what Zach Arnett and that staff did last year, and they were really thin. All the way around the defense, week to week, you never knew who was playing. Uh, Nathan Pickering, I thought he had his best day of camp. Now, he missed some time. He was in camp, but he was slowed. Uh, you know, some days he was with the trainers. Saw him kind of get back in the mix and the rotation a little more last week. And, again, you can tell he's not quite there, you know, conditioning-wise. I thought he was really good Saturday. And the kid's a gamer and kind of always has been. He was in the backfield, uh, knifing through there. And, and listen, out there really playing with some, with some energy. And that's always good to see. Armandus Cooley had a nice sack, too. And it was really kind of a bust in protection. But Cooley just came right through there and finished the play. And he's a guy, too, we didn't see a lot from last year and probably a reserve this year after you know, playing behind Cam Young and, and Jaden uh, Crumity, of course. But you know, to have him down the depth chart, let him develop a little bit, that's big. Uh, DeMonte Russell also had a sack. And if Jordan Davis cannot go this year or just an extended period of time, DeMonte Russell's got to be the guy. DeMonte's got to step up over there and just take charge of that position. Jed Johnson also with a sack, and then Sherman Timms. I have a story on Sherman a little bit later today. Sherman, of course, placed on a football scholarship back in January. Now a scholarship player. He and London Kraft both. Two former walk-ons that, you know, came on and competed in the Southeastern Conference and earned a scholarship. And, and congratulations to them and their families. Uh, tackles for loss, Cam Young with a pair. Uh, you guys have heard me praise Cam Young on the show. Looks and plays like what you want your interior guy to play like. There's a t- there are a couple times he plays a little bit high, but more times than not, he's able to get good pad level and kind of get in there and make a play for you. Martin Emerson on nice tackle for loss, and we mentioned Deshaun Pages earlier. So we're, we're moving line of scrimmage some, probably not quite as much as we want just yet. And once we settle that, you know, that front seventh, our front six, I think will be good. Uh, pass breakups, Colin Duncan with one. Sherman Timms had a batted pass. Size Ferd to PBU, Rodney Gross. Uh, batted pass, and Nathan Pickering as well. So, again, there's Pickering, again, flashing, you know, m- making a play for you. Uh, pass breakups, we mentioned quarterback hurries. Jevin Banks back there doing some good things, and then Deshaun Page. Jevin Banks is a guy we hadn't talked about a whole lot. 
But every time that we talk about him, it's always something positive. It's never, okay, well, he got beat on a play or he's not putting forth good effort. Every time we talk about Jevin Banks, he's doing something good. You see a video of him, you know, you know, just driving through somebody in a drill or you see him out there making a play. I mean, it's like he always gets caught doing the right thing. Now, he's a guy, too. We talk about him and Cooley both. You begin to think about the future. I think these guys – are going to round in the starters for you here in the next couple of years. Interceptions, uh, J.P. Purvis, London Craft mentioned both of those. Both of those were Daniel Greek uh, picks. Sean Preston also with a fumble recovery. And I would have had the fourth fumble for you, but it was um, it was such a bang-bang play. Just couldn't get everybody's number. But um, defensively, I think we're really salty. Uh, I think offense held their own. It was, it was a competitive day. I don't know that I would claim a victory either way. I think Mississippi State won. When I go back to last week, you know, the defense dominated Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday were offensive days. They were off Thursday. <clears throat> and then next thing you know, we get out there in a scrimmage. Friday was Friday was probably a little more of a uh, 50-50 day. And I really thought Saturday was as well. We, did, we didn't go out yesterday. But, um, you know, it's an exciting time. We're not ready to go play a football game yet, and we're not ready to go play a football game yet. Mike Leach kind of shared those uh, those comments as well. You know, we're, we're not ready to go. But we're about where we should be halfway through camp. Uh, kicking was a little bit interesting. Um, Brandon Ruiz is the guy. I don't think there's any question. The most consistent. You know, some other guys out there competing, you know, in all three kicking disciplines. But um, – you know, I guess Tucker Day has probably got a leg up right now, pardon the pun on punting. But he's being pushed. you got some other guys out there that are competing, but I think Tucker Day is the guy, and I think Brandon Ruiz is your kicker. And, you know, I, I, I'm like you guys. When he trots out there, I've got confidence that he's going to make it. You know, unless we're lining up like a 50-yarder, I kind of, you know, kind of hold my breath a little bit. But when he trots out there 45 and under, I, I'm thinking this is three. I mean, it's just automatic. And so, I think he will absolutely hold on to that job. Scott Goodman, I know, is pushing him some for that kickoff specialist job. And so, it's not going to be as simple as, uh, you know, everybody's just saying, okay, well, you did this last year, you can have the job back. Everybody's having to compete at every position. And it's not just with the newcomers from scholarship. There are some guys last year that played and didn't get an opportunity to play as much as they wanted to that have really embraced the weight room and they're coming back and bringing some fresh competition. That makes everybody better. There's no question about it. Makes absolutely everybody better. Let me give you guys a uh, an opportunity to uh, get a bit of an update on Dogpile. Working through that now. As of yesterday, 20 chapters in the book. Got four more to go. I will sit down with Ron Polk and Chris Limonis this week. I'll write those up, and I've got a MSU baseball history chapter, and then the final chapter. Can talk about what it all means. And I want to go ahead and tell you guys now, I had solicited – some fan stories, so I wanted to try to include some of those. I don't know if they're going to make it, to be honest with you. The budget for the book was 75,000 words. It looks like we're going to come in between 85 and 90,000. So I don't know if it's going to work out for us to add other submissions. So I'm just going to take it day at a time. And once, once I submit the manuscript, there's any room to work with, I'll work those in. I may use some of those over as an article on Gene's page, you know, because I think it'd be a shame to waste them. Some of you guys have some great stories. And so I'll find a way to get those things done. Just don't know if they're going to be in the book. 
Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. I- I'm done recapping the games. There's a chapter for each week of the season, like I talked about. Had a lot of fun reliving that stuff, and, and I'd go back and watch them again, too. Like, I, I, you know, you take your notes, and you go back and watch the games again. You make some more notes, and then you go back. Sometimes when you get a big moment, and you go back and watch it again just because you want to capture the moment as best you can. So put a lot of time and effort into this, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm tired. I, I am. That's one of the reasons you didn't get a show first thing this morning. I got home, went to, went to the movies last night, went to bed. But it's been, a, it's been a joy to put this thing together. Now, the cover has been finalized with a couple small adjustments left. So we'll release the cover soon and the pre-order link. I'll be able to share that on all my social media. And I'm going to ask you to please share it too. Retweet it, share it on your Facebook page. Not just because you love me, but because you love other Mississippi State fans that maybe don't follow me on social media. And so help us get the word out. Because you know, ordinarily, these books come out for me in September or October. This is going to be a late October, early November release. So there's not going to be a lot of time for people to get them in time for the holidays. There's going to be a big demand for them, too. Every time I turn around, I'm getting some bookstore or some retailer reaching out saying, hey, who do I contact you know, to order, to go ahead and get our order together. So a lot of people are expecting this book. I'm very excited about putting it together for you. And... Uh, you know, it's one of those things, too, where you, you, you live this and you think, oh, okay, well, I remember how this happened. And then you go back and, and you read the box scores and you read your own notes and you watch the games again. You're like, oh, wait a minute, I, didn't, I missed that. And so that's been kind of cool, too. And so I've been really detailed with all that. I had a chance to sit down and visit with John Cohen last week, as you guys know. I wrote that chapter up yesterday. John, very revealing about some things, too. Very candid in his comments. Talk a lot about the coaching search. We hired Chris Limonis. Talked about Andy Cannizzaro some. Talked about when he took the head coaching job at Kentucky and the job here at Mississippi State, how difficult it was uh, in many respects. So many of you are going to learn some things that perhaps you don't know now. And that's I think that's part of the mandate of, of writing a good book is to be informative, not just to be entertaining, or, but there has to be an educational element of this thing too. And so I'm uh, going to talk with Polk too. And excited to sit down and talk with Coach about these things, too, because I haven't really had a chance to talk with him since we won the NFL championship. You know, you know, I, I'm the first guy that wants to give, you know, Paul Gregory and those guys a lot of credit, and they deserve it. But, you know, Ron Polk is the one that really pushed Mississippi State to national prominence consistently. And so even Chris Amonos will tell you, you know, you know, Coach Polk built this program into what it is. And so I'm eager to sit down with number one and not just talk about the NFL championship, but – I want to know about him making the move from Georgia Southern to Mississippi State. I've never had that conversation with him. And so I'm going to have a one-on-one conversation. I'm going to talk about, you know, what kind of hand that Jimmy Bregan left him. And many of you are saying, Steve, who's Jimmy Bregan? Well, he was, he was the head coach before Coach Polk got here. Well, I thought it was Paul Gregory. Well, it was. Paul Gregory was here, and then Gregory left, and then Bregan came in for one year, a former Diamond Dog came in to coach us and then got an opportunity to go back to the major leagues and so we did and so we're kind of left in a lurch there and we hired a guy named Ron Polk that had taken Georgia Southern to Omaha you don't think that guy was a hot coaching candidate and so I just, I just want to sit down for, you know for my own curiosity but also too to let you guys maybe learn some things about Ron Polk that maybe you didn't know and learn some more about Diamond Dog baseball history and so 
looking forward to that conversation, of course, Chris Simonis. And, and uh, I tell you guys, too, I don't think I shared this with you. When I was in uh, Omaha, had the chance to visit a little bit with Dan McDonald. And, um, you know, Dan is a huge Chris Simonis fan, as you can imagine. You know, and he said, you know, he looked at John Cohen and he said, I told you the guy was going to be a star. And he did. And it's all of a sudden you see these things kind of progress and you realize that there are a lot of great coaches out there that don't have a NAFL championship. Dan McDonald's one of them. And it's just a matter of time. I mean, it is. And, you know, we, we made a, a big run at him and a big push at him. We couldn't get him. But the reality of it is is that, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of in – some uncharted territory here, but there is a new level of respect for Mississippi State baseball and for Chris Monas because of this national championship. We all knew at some point we'd get one, and we hoped we would. And every year it's kind of like, oh, well, maybe not this year. Because we pick our own team apart. You become so acutely aware of, uh, of your deficiencies. You know, because that's one of the things that I'll say. We, people talk about homers. I don't know. I think we've got we've got a lot of nitpickers in the Mississippi State fan base. It's like we're all we're always so scared to believe. We're trying to find some way. Ah, uh, no, they're not going to win it. They're not going to win it. And here's why. Here's why. We don't we don't have this. We don't have a second baseman. Uh, they changed brand of the hot dogs. I mean, you know, there's always something that we'll we'll kind of pick and choose. And my hope is is that what's happened this summer has taught us that it's okay to believe. It's okay to believe. Talked with Chris a couple days ago, and, and uh, he made a comment that right after we won, people were saying, oh, oh great, now we can repeat. I'm like, okay, let's, guys, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. You know, let's celebrate what we got before we start talking about a repeat. But I'm excited about this team. I know you guys are as well. I encourage you guys, too, if you're thinking about moving to Starkville, give our friends at Portico a try. Absolutely great opportunity for you there. It's a great place to live. It's 1.1 miles from campus, but it's on the right side of campus. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, you're not really in the hustle and bustle 12. You got the convenience of 12, but you're on the back side of that. You don't have to worry as much about all, all the traffic. Um, so I think it's important to kind of understand how all this is going to break loose. You're going to go there and you're going to check it out and you're going to love it and you're going to move to Starkville, whether it be part-time whether it be an investment property for you or whether it be your regular residence. You're going to love it when you go. Very easy to get to. You turn off of 12 onto 12, off of 82. You take the very first right, which is Pat Station Road. You cross all West Point Road, and there's your place. And that sounds like a lot. It's not. It's just, I mean, again, it's 1.1 miles away. So I encourage you to go by and check them out. You need information. There's two-bedroom Two-bath homes, four-bedroom, four-bath homes, that great walking trail. Phase one, just about all those houses are gone. And so phase two, that's, uh, that's up and moving now. You need information. And who better to give you information than one of our own? Brooks Bryan. Brooks, longtime supporter of the show, longtime supporter of Starkville, longtime supporter of Mississippi State, former Diamond Dog, Brooks Bryan. Give him a call today at 601-416-8075. You know, I believe in doing business with Bulldogs. None bigger than Brooks Bryan. 601-416-8075. Be sure to check out Portico today. Make it your next move. All right, I told you guys we're going to add a new feature to the show. 
and you guys know that I am a uh, a Mississippi State sports historian, and I'm very curious about a lot of things. And so I want to kind of share some of this with uh, some of our younger listeners and maybe some longtime listeners that maybe perhaps didn't know a lot of these things. And so I'm going to close the show most weeks, most shows, with this. I don't know what we call it. Maybe we come up with something cool, but I want to talk a little bit about Don Scott. Don Scott, Mississippi State's first Olympian, it is his name that led to our playing surface being called Scott Field. And for years and years, it was simply Scott Field. I grew up going to Scott Field before it was Davis Wade Stadium. It was Scott Field. And so people say, okay, well, well, who's Don Scott? Well, let's talk about that. Don Scott's a guy from uh, Woodville, Mississippi, born there and actually lived an incredibly long time. It's uh, born, let's see, born in uh, Woodville and then died uh, in San Antonio, Texas uh, back in 1980. Don Scott ran track and played football and basketball for Mississippi State and later competed for the U.S. Army. He was the AAU 800 meters champion in 1916 and runner-up in that event in the 1920 Olympics. He completed the unusual double of competing at the Olympics in the in athletics and the modern-day uh, pentathlon, finishing 26 in the pentathlon in 1924. Scott starred for the Mississippi State Bulldogs football team in 15 and 16, and, that, and to say he starred might be stretching just a little bit. In his honor, his name later graced football stadium field at the school. Scott filled at Davis Wade Stadium. Scott was a career military officer. He served in the U.S. Army, reaching the rank of colonel, and fought in both world wars and the Korean conflict. Prior to college, he had prepared for a military career at Chamberlain Hunt Academy in Mississippi, one of the earliest military prep schools in the United States. And I believe that's still in operation. Because I know that my sister played Chamberlain Hunt in a uh, tennis tournament once. So part of the 1920 and 1924 Olympic teams, and uh, again, finished, I didn't mention this earlier, finished fifth in 800 meters in the 1920 Olympics. And that's, you know, just off the medal stand. And just a guy that obviously meant a lot to Mississippi State people. He qualified for the American Olympic team even back in 1916. But it was postponed due to World War I. Run a 49.2 quarter mile in the SIAA meet of 15. Very, very impressive guy, for sure. Uh, a couple things, too, that you, you might want to know. He was in, in, in excuse me, it, he was inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame way back in 1963 as a track and field star. A couple more things here that maybe perhaps that you are unfamiliar with. Um, so, Here's a couple of comments the university dug up. So back in 1914, Don Scott was the guy. He was a sophomore at the 1913 State Track Championships and was called the star of the event. He ran a mile in under five minutes, which was unheard of at the time. A four-minute and 52-second mile that would set an SEC record, with Southeastern Regional record. He also ran the half mile in two minutes and 18 seconds, finished first in both of those competitions. In 1914, Scott was battling an, an injury in Mississippi State or Mississippi A&M, still finished second in the conference. And according to the revelry, it says, it's bad policy to say what may have been, 
we can safely claim that had Scott been able to take part in the SIAA, A&M, and not LSU would be the Southern champions. That's how important he was. And, of course, if you've got an Olympian on your team, obviously that's the case. Uh, another comment in the revelry his final year said, uh, we believe that there is not a better like man in the class than Scoot. I think that's maybe a misprint there. Scott. Uh, his description begins, and we never see him when he doesn't wear a smile. Although only 20 years of age, he is a handsome young giant, an all-around athlete, and most marked ability holding the Southern record in the half and quarter-mile races. He is unpretentious, friendly, studious, and withal knows how to blush. Pretty incredible. A comment from the reflector as well. Um, you know, this is about the 1915. And this is when, this, this is interesting too. 1915, you know, we have the second oldest on-campus stadium only to, uh, I guess, Dodd Field there at Georgia Tech. In the spring of 1915, Scott and his new teammates had a brand new field to compete on, and that's exactly what they called it for the next several years, the new athletic field. That's what we called it, <laughs> new athletic field. On May 2nd, the new athletic field held its first ever intercollegiate event, welcoming Alabama to compete against A&M in track and field, and that's us. The Aggies, also us, won in a landslide led by multiple first-place finishes uh, from Scott and Duty Noble. How about that? The Reflector had this to say, Although the A&M team won the meet by an overwhelming majority of points, let us try to boost our track team, putting new life into the entire team, for there are still great honors left to obtain. So I just think it's important that we uh, kind of understand and honor some of our our guys in our in our past because a lot of people would think you know i just don't fully appreciate don't know what these i've, I've been going to scott field my whole life but didn't know who it was named after one more thing i wanted to read here this is pretty impressive incredible words about him donald scott is the greatest runner in the south and one of the greatest middle distances distancers in the world other records were smashed records that have stood the test of the south's best for years Everything is forgotten in the recollection of the sturdy Mississippi boy of 20 years of age, tearing down the finish line, making his own race with his nearest competitor yards behind and finishing with a burst of speed that made old-timers wish to see him match with Ted Meredith, the Olympic, Olympic champion and the world's greatest runner. The Southern athlete has arrived. The, through Scott, the South will gain recognition in the athletics of America, if not the world. It is of Scott we must sing our praises now. He is our long claim to place in the sun of athletics. He is rich in promise and in qualities which go to make the man and the athlete. How cool is that? So that's kind of where we are uh, with Scott Field. And I just, I, I just say these things because there is, there is a, a generation of Bulldog fans and maybe multiple generations they don't understand the stories behind the buildings and the streets and the facilities that uh, we have on the Mississippi State campus. It was kind of like, okay, well, that's just always what we've called it. And so what I want to do with this segment, and I'll get a little smoother with it as we move forward, but uh, is to be able to give credit to those and also to educate perhaps those that, um, that didn't know. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, well, there's names on these buildings simply because somebody gave a lot of money, and that's true in some cases. But not in the case of Scott Field. You know, the students and the administration got together and then they named Scott Field in honor of one of our greatest athletes of all time. And so 
when we go to watch Mississippi State play on that great uh, patch of Bermuda grass, let us always remember Don Scott and that there were great Bulldogs and great Aggies and great Maroons that preceded what we enjoy today. I enjoy knowing those things, and I enjoy sharing those things with all of you. And I think it's important that we keep those stories alive because I can only begin to imagine how proud the student body at Mississippi A&M had to be when Don Scott went around the Olympics. One of their classmates, one of their heroes, one of their friends is running in back-to-back Olympics, and he qualified for three. I mean, just begin to think about, just think about that for a second, especially in that day and time with the very you know, basic and rudimentary training f- programs and facilities that we had in the country back then. The Don Scott qualified for three Olympics and competed in two and came home to a hero's welcome. And his contributions to Mississippi State uh, should never be forgotten. So that's what I want to do. And so I hope this means something to you. If you have ideas for that, reach out let me know. I've got a few things kind of lined up. But I, I, I think there are so many people out there, even in my generation, that we kind of feel like naively that, you know, sports didn't really start until we were born. You know, that's just not the case. And uh, I got a few baseball players whose baseball cards stare at me from this little case I have by my, by my desk that uh, I know many of you have, have never even heard of. And I think it's important that we tell their stories too because we did, we did play baseball prior to 1985. You know, before ESPN broadcast it, we were really good at baseball before. You know, we had some really good years, had some really good teams, some really good players. And I think it's important that we honor their memories and thank them for their contributions uh, to Mississippi State Athletics. So it's going to be a shorter show today because I've got to get back to writing. So I want to make sure you guys kind of understand how the rest of the week is going to work. We're going to be back out at practice today, and they haven't sent us a full schedule for the rest of the week. Now, it's also credential day and all that sort of stuff, so we've got to get everything kind of submitted, and we're going to be ready to roll with that. And then we'll have a couple more practices that we see. Now, Mike Leach told me last week that we will probably get some access in season. Now, Probably not when they go to team drills. We'll probably have an opportunity to watch them go through positional drills and some Pascal and that sort of stuff. But I doubt we see formations and you know plays and things like that. But I do think that we're going to continue to have some access as we kind of move forward. So I want everybody to, to expect over on Gene's page those notes to continue. They, they probably won't be as extensive as they are now because we're not going to be able to see as much practice. But at the very least – Hopefully we'll be able to be there and see who's there, who's healthy, who's working out, uh, and who's not. Because, you know, week to week when you get in season, there, you know, people you see get injured in a ball game. You'd like to be able to be there on Monday and see them dressed out participating and be able to communicate that with you guys as well. Because, you know, Mike Leach is just really funny about injuries. He just didn't talk about injuries. And so I don't know when we're going to be able to have a chance to talk to him again. You know, we had him on Saturday after the scrimmage, and uh, the Jordan Davis issue was not addressed. And I think uh, that's probably – because it's probably I – mean, it seems like a logical question, but Leach hasn't even had an opportunity to get off the field yet. You know, it's like Davis is carted off. We, we finish up the scrimmage, and then Leach goes over and thanks the uh, – I guess it's the Cattlemen's Association uh, or, or the Beef Council, whoever it was that provided the meal. And, uh, and then he came down to us, so he hadn't even had a chance to talk to anybody yet. So we didn't get an update on that. And, again, I don't know when we get him this week, but, uh, you know, we'll ask – 
But again, I don't know what kind of answer we'll get, but uh, we will we will work through that process and share information with you when we can. So thank you guys so much for your support and uh, patronage of the Boneyard all these many years. If you're looking for books, you can find them. You can go to alphadogsthebook.com. That's A-L-P-H-A-D-A-W-G-S, thebook.com. And you get personalized copies right then and there. I believe in supporting our independent bookstores. And so you can always order the book through them. But uh, it won't be signed or personalized if you do that, unless you come to a book signing. Also of note, too, Blooms of Oleander still hanging in there on the Mississippi bestsellers list. Number 10, we might drop off that list. Been on there for, what, nine weeks now? Which is pretty good for a book of poetry. I had somebody tell me when it got up to number five, that's the highest I'd ever seen a book of poetry. It means a lot to me. And I'll eventually do another book of poetry. don't know when that's going to be. You know, this is supposed to be my year off. And I ended up writing two books. And so I don't make any promises that I won't write something next year. We'll just kind of see how things progress. But I'm looking forward to getting Dogpile done. But if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can order it through your own bookstore. No matter where you live in the country, you can just say, hey, listen, can you order Blooms of Oleander? And Ingram, who is kind of the distributor, will handle all that. And they can get it through your local bookstore. So you can support me and that local bookstore. And if you, if you don't care about that sort of stuff, you can go to Amazon or booksamillion.com uh, or barnesandnoble.com, and you can order today. It's also available as an ebook on Kindle and Nook. And uh, that's been kind of cool, too, being able to add that to different mediums. And so uh, Dogpile will be out. It will not be an ebook. It will be a print book, and it will be the longest book I've ever written. And so it's also about a you know, subject that I'm very passionate about. I've loved every one of these books, but I'll be honest with you, writing this book has been the most fun for me of anything I've ever done uh, when it's come to uh, – you know, the creative pursuits. And so I hope that shows in the work. My agent says it's the best thing I've ever written. I think it is too, but you guys will be the judge. But I think it's this shared experience that we all have, and we kind of look forward to the fact that, you know, we were able to do something that's never been done before and be a part of that and witness it. And so maybe someday, years from now, I don't know what kind of technology they'll have, they'll be telling stories about our team that won the NAFL championship. Maybe somebody might be having a podcast or a video show, whatever, talking about Tanner Allen or Josh Hatcher or something like that. So uh, that's the hope anyway. But that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for your support. We'll look forward to being back with you guys on Wednesday. Excited about that. And I will do my best to record that show Tuesday night so you guys can listen to it on your way to work on, on uh, Wednesday morning. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.